Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And for Jazz fans who want the Jazz to have the number one seed in the playoffs, not just in the West, but in the entire NBA, this is a good morning. Because last night, the Phoenix Suns who went out and started red hot on their five-game Eastern road trip, they picked up a loss. Back-to-back, playing for the third time in four games. They lost to the Boston Celtics. And the real problem, they didn't shoot the three a lick. 17% from the arc. Somebody had no legs. Three games in four days was just too much, especially because both games were really tight, went right down to the end, spent a lot of energy. There was nothing easy about them. (laughs) And it caught up with them. And Boston got a a double-digit lead in the second quarter, and uh, they go on and win the game. So, the Suns now are two games behind the Jazz. And I think even better news for the Jazz is that the Suns, as they continue this road trip, they're playing five of the top six teams in the East. And they just got done with the back-to-back. But they're going to have another back-to-back in New York now, playing the Nets and the Knicks. And the Knicks have put together a nice win streak. The uh, Nets are always dangerous. You never know who they're going to have. I don't know how long Durant's going to be out with his thigh contusion. Kyrie Irving is there. Harden will be out with his hamstring issues. Back to square one, he's not going to be back on the weekend. Um, But these teams are decent and maybe better than that, depending on who's playing. You never know in the NBA these days. And I think that... This is just a lot of road games. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of fatigue. They're going to play these two, and, and then the Suns, after those two games in New York, fly home and play the Clippers. Again, it'll be three games in four days with a back-to-back. And the first home game feels like a road game because you had an airplane flight the day before. I think that's the big deal. Airplane flights take a, take a little something out of everybody. And I would expect even if the Suns play well, they go 2-1 and one in their next three. So... That means, I mean, if they go one and two, well, great. I I don't think the Suns can sweep it. Um, If they go two and one, do the Jazz take care of business? Do they beat Minnesota at home Saturday? They beat Minnesota in Minnesota on Monday. And then do they beat the Kings? Kings have lost something like 10 out of 12. They're going really poorly. Minnesota's bad, but I think they're 9 and 15 in the last 24. I know they're 2 and 2 in the last four games. So. While the Timberwolves are bad, they're not horrific. They haven't cashed it in. Sacramento's playing like, get me to summer vacation. Uh, I don't think Minnesota's quite that bad. But the talent gap with the Jazz, who are running number one, is obvious. So win your three games. If the Jazz win their three games, I think they're going to be three games ahead of Phoenix when they step on the court next Friday night in Arizona. And the Jazz ought to be fully motivated. <clears throat> they ought to be fired up for that game. Suns have beaten them twice. Jazz aren't going to want to lose all three. They ought to have that emotional, psychological edge for whatever that's worth. And I think it's worth something. And especially if the Suns are just, you know, gassed after playing seven good teams, five of them on an Eastern road trip, and then you come home for the Clippers and the Jazz, and then they go right back out on the road. The schedule's just tougher for the Suns. And now the Jazz are two games up. So if the Jazz do what they're supposed to do, They should be the one seed. I think the real question is, are the Clippers going to catch the Suns for number two? Clippers are now just one game back. And they've got that head-to-head game coming up. And I think the Clippers' schedule, while not as easy as the Jazz, is easier than Phoenix's schedule. So I think the Clippers have a real chance to get to two. Now, if the Jazz stay at one, it doesn't really matter to the Jazz whether the Clippers or Suns are 2-3 or 3-2. But if you're a hardcore NBA fan, you like to watch a lot of playoff games, you know, that is, that is something curious to watch. I think uh, Denver and L.A. are going are to meet in that 4-5 series. I expect Denver will have home court, although I can't guarantee that. I think that Portland and Dallas, with Dallas beating the Lakers last night, um, <clears throat> Dallas has got a chance to catch Portland and get to six. That is real tight. I think it's just 
Uh, I think they're tied now. So that's real tight. Anything could happen there. One of them will get to avoid the playing games, and one will have to endure that. And as a sixth seed, you know, you get the sons of the Clippers in the opening round. There's just so many good teams in the West. I mean, I just don't think you can argue with the fact that there are five really good teams in the West. And I know Denver took a hit with Murray, but they're still good. As good as they could have been, you got me. But they're still really good. So those top five teams, maybe you get an easy first-round playoff series, and after that, it's on. So I don't know that the Jazz being one matters that much. Um, you know, matchups always matter, and who's going to be healthy then? I'll, I expect, and I said this like a week before Murray got hurt, um, you know, I expect that whatever we think, it's going to change because someone's going to have a major injury, and Murray did. It wouldn't shock me if we have another major injury, and, and whatever you think today, you're going to think differently once that injury happens. Which player, which team? No idea. You can't know that kind of stuff. But it just the way this season is going, it just feels like it's going to happen again. Who will it happen to? When will it happen? You know, that's um, something we'll stay tuned to watch and, uh, and see, if, see if my premonition is right or not. But uh, good night in the NBA for the Jazz. As the Suns lose, the Lakers lose. Um, I don't think the Lakers really impacts the Jazz. I think the Lakers are going to be five no matter what. But I think as a Jazz fan, you just like to see the Lakers lose. They just win so much. Anthony Davis came back and played 17 minutes. Short stints all in the first half. Didn't play in the second half. Again, they were taking shots at the end of the game. He just looked dreadfully bored. He just wants to get back out there and play. And I'm sure he knows all the science and the doctors and the trainers have talked to him. But, man, when you're sitting there watching the fourth quarter, he just looks sad. You know, he just wants to be out there. Enough of the sitting around already. But they're going to bring him back carefully because they want him healthy for the playoffs. So he got 17 minutes all in the first half. Also, the thing, other thing that happened in that game is Chris Tapp's Porzingis. He um, sprained his ankle and left in the second half. I think he played 29 minutes before he left. But with Porzingis, it's always something. Now, there's enough time left in the season to sprain ankle. I don't know how bad it is. I guess we'll find out tomorrow and whether he misses a week or two or what. Kind of along the lines of uh, Donovan Mitchell, who should be getting reexamined here, whether it's tomorrow or Saturday. They said he'd be reexamined in a week whether that's from the injury or from doing the MRI the day after and seeing if there's any swelling. I don't know what they timed that week from. But either today or tomorrow, we ought to hear something on, uh, from the club on Mitchell and what his status is going to be and how much longer he's going to be out. And maybe we'll hear a little bit about their plans. I mean, they could just kick the can down the road and say he'll be reevaluated again in another week. Could be that. I expect there'll be something uh, a little more definitive. A sprained ankle, a routine sprained ankle, I usually think of as a one- to two-week deal. So he's got the one week that you just know is going to happen. And now we'll just see whether it ends up being 10 days, 14, or how that plays out. Got no inside info on that, but that's just the history of sprained ankles and basketball and all that stuff. All right, coming up this morning, we've got uh, Craig Bullerjack and Joe Ingles. And uh, Joe, Joe in fine form. Joe is piling up the technicals. How does Renee feel about all those technicals? And what is he saying and what is he doing to get them? Joe will explain all that for you. That's coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to check in with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler Jack. The, uh, the Bowler... 
came on with us right at the end of yesterday's show, got on about 9.30, so we'll replay a few early risers. And since he joined us, of course, Phoenix lost and Boston is now two games back, and that's, that's two full games, two in the loss column. So it's all lining up for the Jazz there. And uh, AD did come back and play the 17 minutes for the Lakers, although they end up losing to Dallas in Dallas. So with that in mind, Bowler didn't know that when he spoke to us, but everything else stands. Here's Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. DJ PK and Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Bowler, good morning. Hello, hello. How are you? So, Buller, these games are obviously not just Houston, but the ones going forward looking a little lopsided. What are you looking for in here, if anything? Clearly the Suns a week from tomorrow is going to be a big game. Everybody's looking forward to that, I would think. But between now and then, uh, storylines are a little thin. Yeah, you know, you got Minnesota uh, home and away, and then uh, Sacramento, and then I'm looking at Phoenix. the calendar, and then it's a Phoenix Suns team that runs and runs, and the speed of the backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker has been an issue, and I think backcourts have been an issue for the Jazz that have speed. Um, you know, even the Blazers, even though the Jazz have had some luck there, but yet speed is something the Jazz struggle with getting back defensively or in transition off missed threes. So that's what I'm looking for. Uh, look, the, the Jazz are playing without Donovan. So as Joe has said, even in his postgame last night when I was driving home, was, look, nothing changes. We still run the same type of offense, and we just you know plug in people that, that uh, obviously are going to get the job done. Joe's played really well. I mean, and Mike uh, has, 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 has been phenomenal uh, running the show with Joe in the backcourt. So, look, it's, it is what it is, and the Jazz will have to figure out how to slow the tempo. Pickup points is always something Quinn Snyder speaks of. So, and you have, to, you have to grab a few offensive rebounds. The ball has to drop in a spot where maybe you got a little luck and you're there. So all those things come into play. But I think from now until then, it's just, you know, steady as she goes. Uh, Try to continue to have space uh, between, uh, you know, the Suns and the Jazz. It's a game and a half. They won a big one in Philly last night. Uh, So uh, they've got a tough schedule, mind you. Uh, They've got a lot of road games ahead. I believe it was 11 uh, or now 10. So, you know, down this stretch run, they're they're going to have to you know play good basketball themselves and maybe they look in their they're looking over their shoulder at the Jazz and seeing how they're doing as well. But uh, you're right. Next next week uh, could decide the number one seeding in the West and basically number one seeding in the NBA. Um, who has home court all the way to the finals if by chance one of those two teams get there. So how much do you think they're paying attention to what the Suns are doing? Well, I think they have to, PK, but look, they'll tell you they're not, that it's one, you know, it, it's it's the typical approach of one game at a time, as Quinn has said, getting better as the season goes on. But look, uh, you've got 13 games to play. You know who you are, and you know you know you can shoot the three. Uh, you know that you have a, a lot of weapons. You, I think you're finding out, too, that you even have, you know, some good depth when needed, Right. Um, some of these guys are jumping off the bench. Ilya Sova uh, had, a, had a nice game in, in L.A. against the Lakers. Kind of like tells you what we thought he could, you know, he could bring uh, if you give him 20 minutes or so. Uh, Jarrell Brantley, Mieoni. Uh, I still think Matt Thomas obviously hasn't found his shot with the Jazz. 
feels like maybe he's rushing the shot a little bit when I watch him. But I think with Donovan out, it also proves, PK, that, you know, here is a two-time all-star um, who is a top-shelf player in this league, but you can continue to win with depth. And guys like Joe and Mike getting the job done, Rudy's defense, uh, and Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. So, I, I mean, I still feel like the Jazz are as competitive as they as as they have been all year long. But yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be nice to put Donovan back in uh, the lineup when when the time's right for that ankle. No matter what they say, actions speak louder than words. And you guys got a hilarious photo submitted. You know, where are you watching? And so oh, Donovan yeah. sends in a photo, and he's got these four screens set up, and he is just binging on the NBA, right? He had the, the Jazz game up, of course, and he had the Warriors and Washington up, which... You know, there's a lot of good players in that matchup, and uh, the Warriors are potential first-round opponents, so I get why he's watching that. And he's yeah, got the Knicks yeah. in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta's yeah. really hot in the East, and the Knicks are his hometown team, and they're on a winning streak, so I get that. And sure enough, in the bottom right corner, he's got the Suns playing the Sixers. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, it's film, that's film work, too, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's professional curiosity. It's uh, fandom. I mean, very much in his tweets, you can see his his fandom when he's watching you know different games and different players. So it's it's all those things rolled into one. But they're very aware of what the Suns are doing. He's got that game up in the fourth quarter. He's watching it. Sure, sure. You know what? I I really enjoyed the fact that he jumped on and had some fun. It tells you the personality of Donovan Mitchell, and you know to talk to him, and then he responds with another. Uh, you know, stop it, Joe. I mean, Ingles was so hot last night from three yet again, six of ten. And, you know, Gobert. I mean, it, it's, it tells you the leadership and how he is a loose guy with, you know, and a cheerleader for this team, right? He's not playing. I think a lot of times, you know, PK, DJ, if you're injured, the biggest issue you face is the disconnect because you're not a part of it. And, I think Donovan's doing his best to stay a part of it while he while he rehabs. So I thought it was good for him. Probably good good medicine in a way to be involved and then to shoot out a tweet like that and for us to pick it up. I mean the fans love it and that's who Donovan is. I think we got a, even a bigger taste of, of it last night by just a simple tweet and that photo uh, of showing what he how he spends his time tells you not only fandom as you said, DJ, but also doing the work observing uh and you know he sent out a tweet later about trey young having having a lower leg injury and so yeah he's well aware of what's going on and he's studying his opponent for sure so with mitchell aboard for the next few years contractually and i would assume beyond that and he's a young dynamic guy all sorts of charisma you got Dwayne Wade aboard now to at least a degree. To what degree, I'm not sure, but at least he's around. His name is attached to the franchise. Ryan Smith is a younger owner. I think this is the youngest ownership group in the NBA. Can we put to bed all this nonsense The players don't want to be here? I think it's another huge step, PK, in that, in that process. And I think Ryan's smart enough to realize that you know he wants to make changes and Dwayne Wade, uh, obviously wants to come aboard. I, I wasn't aware of their friendship. And, I mean, Ryan obviously becomes a billionaire by connecting a lot with a lot of different people. And Dwayne Wade, obviously one of them. And I think Ryan felt like it was a, an incredible idea to try to 
if maybe Dwayne reached down, but the conversation seems like, look, why don't you come aboard and let's make change together? And I think that's exactly what what uh, the two have done. It's it's obviously in its in its infancy, but I, I don't think you can look away from the impact that Dwayne Wade will have not only with this franchise, but in the ability to reach out beyond the Jazz to bring players or entice them to look. And I think that's a good thing all the way around. So does that impact Donovan's decisions down the road? I would say absolutely. Rudy, absolutely. And others, uh, yes. And so maybe this is that step that a lot of people have been waiting for. Some turn their nose to it. I get it. But also, this is a time of change. And you have to educate yourself on the reasons why and move forward. And I think Ryan is in that position as an owner in this league uh, to, to bring in a minority uh, ownership uh, with Dwayne Wade that the league is trying to um, open the doors to. And Ryan stepped through it, and so did Dwayne Wade. Um, it's an interesting time, right? And I think it's a good move, and I think it only helps solidify the jazz in the NBA recruiting and also retaining players that are under contract. And that's part of the reason why I think uh, this younger ownership group has a little bit more insight now of where they want to go to the next level, right? The Miller group brought them there multiple times to the, to the front porch. And with Carl and John, it was a, another time, obviously, in the NBA, and times do change. I think Gail maybe realized that. And that's why Ryan might be, well, you know, he's the owner and it's, it's the right time maybe for change. And that's where the Jazz are going right now. So we have been debating, discussing, analyzing the race for number one. And there are many questions and we don't have a lot of time with you. So I'm going to throw out several and you can attack whichever ones you want. Okay. How badly do the Jazz want one? Would they be willing to hand the Suns one? Because, well, that probably means the Lakers are Nuggets in the second round. So good luck with that. Would they prefer the Lakers or the Clippers? Or do they not care? They know the tests are going to be massive regardless of who they play. And when Quinn says they need to be playing their best basketball, he knows they need to be playing their best basketball because anything less than that will get them beat by somebody at some point and possibly sooner rather than later. The, uh, DJ, those are all incredible uh, bullet points of interest to me because you could drop to two and maybe help yourself. But in, in the jazz way of doing things, unless now they totally take a different track, right? Because the, the, the way it was, and we were just talking about the way it was and what it is now, we're going to find out. Do you arrest players? Do you see analytically, which the Jazz have brought in multiple individuals to help with analytics about rest? Obviously, they're studying the, 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 the Phoenix Suns schedule compared to what they're doing. And so, you know, look, LeBron's coming back. AD is going to give it a shot and see how he stands with the calf and the Achilles. And look, the Clippers have Kawhi and, uh, and Paul George. It's not easy in the West, no matter how you cut it. But it is about getting out of the first round. It is about getting into the second. And it is about getting a shot at, excuse me, at, at the Western Conference. So to answer your question, I'm going to wait and see, too. I think there's a lot of different ways they're approaching it. But, again, it's about one game at a time. I know people get tired of hearing that. But you know what? Do the, do the Suns have issues themselves down the road? I mean, I, I don't think the Jazz really want to help them. 
But I'll tell you, DJ, it is an interesting thought. If you're looking at your first-round, second-round opponent, uh, how does it play into your hands better? And look, a lot of teams have jockeyed themselves at times, and why not the Jazz? But I will say the one positive is the number one seed in the NBA gives you home court throughout. And we know the power of this Jazz fan base and what's happening this year on the floor at Vivid Arena. They've lost just three games. Those are Carl and John days, by the way, at Old Delta Center. And this fan base will start to trickle in more and more as time goes on. And maybe into the playoffs, it obviously may jump even more, a few more thousand fans. I think it plays into the Jazz hands perfectly. But uh, the analytics of it are still in the hands of the Jazz, and it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. So what do they got now, 5,000? Is that what they're allowed in, roughly? I think it's 5,600, PK, 5, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, again, I know nothing. I think there's hopes and probably being guided by, you know, health officials in the state of Utah and most most importantly what the NBA is also, uh, you know, their, their input as well and what this, the state of Utah's COVID issues and the, the height of infection. Obviously, as we decide who decides to get uh, vaccinated plays an impact uh, part of this too. And so, again, I think it's, it's moving parts, PK. I really do. I'm not sure where they want to go. I mean, I'm sure they love to have, you know, 10, 12,000 in for the playoffs, if not a packed house. But I think we still may be, you know, a, a jump or two away from that. But I think the progress is being made. But I tell you, man, just having the 5,600 or 6,000 in the stands, you can feel the difference from what it was at the beginning of the season. And, um, you know, our fan base, the Jazz fan base, has always been intense and vocal. And I think it does play into the Jazz hands if they do grab the one seed. You know, I'm not sure, again, you know, how you break it down, if it's best to be two. There's something about being one because you've been there all season long. And then is there a, is there a doubt that goes through your mind uh, if you drop to two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all those things come into play, I really believe. Uh, but, man, what a season it's been. And you're battling through Donovan now out. You know, the Lakers have done the same thing with two of their, their top key players. The Jazz have been one of the healthiest teams in the league this year. And, uh, you know, there's less than a month, what, three and a half weeks left in the season. So as I like to say, buckle up. Because I think this is going to be an incredible run. Uh, and obviously a disappointment if the Jazz don't get into round two and beyond. But, Look, I think I think this team, as we saw, DJ and PK, they've been focused from the bubble, and I think we've seen most of that this year. There's been a slip or two, but look, that happens in the course of a truncated 72-game schedule. They're playing fast and furious, and this season is going to come to an end pretty quick into the playoffs. The 16th isn't far away, May 16th, and then the 22nd is when the playoffs begin. So, wow. It's, and then all of a sudden, when you get into June, you're going to have another season start in October. I mean, it's it's coming at you with the Olympics in between. Uh, it's a lot of basketball. Bowler, we appreciate it as always. And you and Joe get together and decide who wants to be the warm-up pack next week. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll trade it uh, off and on. Uh, PK, though, I think you could warm us up a little bit, too. Uh, oh, a easily. Or two. A little yeah. rush or whatever, you know, rush. Tom Petty. Whatever yeah. it might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bring the guitar. So, yeah, well, I'll let Joe decide. You know, Cardi B, even. I don't want to get, you know, Joe's Joe, and I, I can't get a technical foul. So that's, you know, I'll let him do that. <laughs> uh, I think broadcasters have gotten, I think there's some they ejected. <laughs> I think they've yeah, been I'm kicked out. I'm on the floor now, so I, he'd have to hear me right, really yeah. good. 
I'd have to get a megaphone yeah. out there and yell at it. But that, uh, that protects you from yourself there and all your worst does. inclinations. Absolutely. Yeah, hey. I'll let Joe. I'll let Joe pay that fine. Thank you, Bowler. All right, guys. See you soon. There's TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bullerjack. When we come back, Joe Ingles, the man, the myth, the legend. Joe will crack you up. Next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Joe Ingles joined us yesterday, his weekly visit to explain about the technical fouls and also uh, about he and Mike Conley, who uh, realized what we all realized, that when Mike is out, Joe has big games. And when Mike comes back, Joe is more of a decoy and a lot more passive and doesn't have anywhere near the stats. Now, stats, schmats, you know, as long as you win. Just win, baby. But as good as the Jazz winning percentage is, it's actually a little better when Joe plays a bigger role. Joe's good. Joe's got a lot of size. And Joe, Joe is a handful in the pick and roll. He is a handful. And what the Jazz have are options. And I think that as you sort this out in the regular season, we've spent a lot of time hashing this out, I think the playoffs are going to be different no matter how the Jazz handle it in the regular season, whether they don't get Joe's involved, that they do. I think in the playoffs – you really get a chance as you get deep into a series to really delve into the matchups. Which player for the Jazz should be attacking which player for the opponent? You know, and how do you run pick and rolls? And if teams are switching, how do you get that matchup that you want to exploit? So it's a little different when you're going from one team to another. But the guys recognize what's going on. They're trying to address it. Joe, Joe explains it to us here. Here's Joe Ingles with PK and I. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joey, 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 Joey for three. Yes. I couldn't understand any of that. You sounded like you were <laughs> drunk at a bar. <laughs> At 9.08 in the morning. What do you think I play for the Houston Rockets? What are you talking about? Boom! There it is. <laughs> oh, boy. It's been a long morning, fellas. <laughs> Joe, we have so many questions. I'm curious. You seem to be piling up the, te- the technical fouls a little higher right now. You're just cutting loose. You're just, you've been holding all this in all these years. You're just going to let it go. A tee during the game, and you dropped the big one during the post-game Zoom session. You're just cutting loose, Joe. I didn't drop anything. That was, that was, the post-game was a, an honest mistake. That was a... You did know, react that way. You, yeah, you did react that way. Oops. Um, I've never sworn in my life. <laughs> um, I swear you never sworn. <laughs> I swear I've never sworn. Um, I actually, 
I the possession I, I actually it sounds very stupid because it costs money but I was trying to get a technical on the first possession because uh, I can't remember who the player was whoever it was drove down and smacked me in the face while, while he had the ball and I was the referee was right there and I was like what are you like what are you looking at you can't like you can't smack someone in the face it's not UFC we're playing basketball <laughs> And I, so I like yelled at him all the way down the court as loud as I could. And I, I didn't swear, but I used some uh, aggressive, aggressive tones. Um, and he didn't give me one. And then I, a few, like a few possessions or whatever it was later, I, all I said to him was like, no, like nothing. I like kind of laughed and said like something about the call and I didn't swear and he teamed me up for that. So I was like, I'd forgotten about it. I got over it, but it is what it is. Do you know what you can get away with or can't get away with based on who the referee is? For sure. Um, and not necessarily like who they are or, or how they referee, but just, I mean, I don't know how their schedule works, but you, you obviously have some referees more than others and um, I think in general like in general life you just kind of get along with some people better than others and there's some guys I know that I could joke around with or maybe talk a bit more aggressively or ask a question kind of more to the point where some you have to like kind of beat around the bush to like get to the point you want to get to so um, yeah I mean it's just a lot of general life like you some guys I, I know well, and I, th- and I think a part of them as well. Like, they have to know you. Uh, by now. There's some things, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's all part of the game. Renee just won't be able to uh, go shopping this week. <laughs> You're out of money. Okay, good one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're underpaid, man. 50% from three. Renegotiate. <laughs> I know. Where's Dennis? Get Dennis on the hotline. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> no, I'm very, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing very well. I'm happy, uh, I'm not going to complain about that part of loss. So uh, I'm curious as we see you talking, and now you know people are used to hearing you on the radio, and they know we've asked you about you know certain interactions you've had with fans or opposing players or uh, coaches or refs or whatever. And so I do get a pretty steady stream now. I've asked Joe about this or that, but the thing we never talked about, and I'm curious about, is when you're yapping at other players, and it seemed like in Houston you were yapping at other players, hitting some threes early in the game. But I'm curious how often you started, and how often other people yap at you, and you're kind of and then you. Hit a three and you yap back at them. Are you starting all of this or are there other guys who are, are talking to you and get the ball rolling? Um, I don't know what the percentage would be, but it would be close to probably like 50-50. Um, there's obviously um, no word of a lie that I don't mind talking and obviously having having fun with it and, and kind of enjoying it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there's times that stuff comes to me and I'm like perfect exactly what I needed right now hmm. um, like the other game a few weeks ago or whenever it was um, but yeah I mean it was, last night was a bit there I mean having 
I really wanted to talk to the bench the whole time because I wanted to yell at like Ghana and Dante and um, my Australian assistant coach is actually um, on the front of the bench for Houston as well. So there's a few guys over there I knew and um, I wasn't really over on that side of the court too much. But um, yeah, a little like a little, probably a little bit, probably fifty fifty. This three-point shooting obviously is impressive, and it's gotten better as you've been in the league now. I'm wondering, going back, because you were a professional for, what, eight, nine, ten years before you came to the NBA, were you known as a three-point shooter, or is this something you've developed since you've been in this league? Oh, there's no question it's taken a a leap or strides or whatever. Um, I always felt, I've kind of said it before, like I always felt like I was kind of, like good at everything but I wasn't I was never great at anything um like I could shoot a little bit but I was streaky I could play pick and roll but I was like turnover prone a little bit I could play pick and roll and I could finish a little bit like my defense would be good and then it would be bad um and I think part of the especially the offensive end in the NBA like I mean I've got my own coach like (laughs) I can call Brian Bailey now and say I want to go get shots up if I want and he'll come in and rebound for me in Europe or in the NBA when I was there like we had two maybe three coaches for 12 to 15 players so that personal development or individual development is so much harder to do there because you, there's just not the, the, the amount like numbers of, of coaches to be able to really do it if you want to shoot pre or post game or pre or post practice sorry you are usually doing it with a group of guys. So you might have four of you there and you're all shooting, so you're getting 40 shots instead of 300. Um, so I think the, like the, just the consistency of me being able to go in and, and work on my game, and, and, and I think it's why you see so many NBA players develop and, and become, like some people say, so surprising or they're so surprised that player X is so much better this year at... at whatever, finishing with his right hand. Well, like, he probably works on it every day with his coach. Like, it's, it's so much easier to, you know, obviously, if you're committed and, and, and want to get better, it's so much easier to, to do that when you've got someone you can call on at kind of any point, any time you want. Um, I did say to Bailey last night, we didn't land till we landed at, like, one thirty this morning, and I said to Bailey as we're getting off the plane, it's like, 6 o'clock shooting tomorrow? And he was like, hell no. Nah. So <laughs> I, know, I know he won't come in that early, but he'll come in basically whenever I ask him. So I think, I think that honestly plays a, a massive part in it because you just get to, to really kind of hone in on things. That, I mean, we've talked about every off-season. I've tried to do like add like one new thing to my package or one new – or get better at one thing that I wasn't good at last year that the team scouted for me and – they were floaters, they were the ball fake, they were shooting going right to my right, all, all those things. So, um, it makes it very easy when the convenience of, of coaches and facilities and all that are, are so accessible. Joe Ingles joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So Mike Conley in his post-game Zoom session was asked about uh, your production going up when either Mike was out of the lineup or Donovan was, and then going down if both those guys were back, and he kind of giggled and said, Joe and I were just talking about that, and you're giggling now just like he was. <laughs> yeah, we uh, 
Mike and I have a bit of a I don't even know what you call it, but we would joke about the fact that <laughs> like if he was out I would play well or if I was out he would play really well but we couldn't like we were never great or hadn't been like like we would play better obviously like when one of the guys when each other was out but then when we were both in we just couldn't make it I wouldn't say we were playing we were playing bad or anything like that but not to the level that we were and it's I mean some of it's very obvious like Mike's our starting point guard and has the ball more and when he's out I have the ball like there's some very obvious things, but we've actually made a and and it's not as effective as we can when we're both out there. And I think we both realise at different times of the games that we can both handle and off the ball he can get me off the ball. We can obviously both space the floor for each other. And um, the last few games we've. We were we were laughing about it because we were kind of saying like oh fi- like finally we were both out there and we were both able to be um, both able to play well and obviously we won and um, I mean the obvious fact is we've got to throw Donovan back in too so <laughs> um, but no it's just a, it, it was a bit of fun um, and obviously shows with our record that neither of us have to be superstars at the same time what one of us can not play as well as the other we've got so many weapons so yeah just a bit of a, a running joke between uh, myself and Mike so last time we talked to you Joe Jess has some big news with bringing Dwayne Wade aboard on that there's uh, multiple uh, minority owners including one from your own country what do you think this means to the Jazz to bring somebody like a Dwayne Wade in as at least a somewhat of a part ownership I mean, it's it's massive. I think. I think um, for him, uh, I think he said it to the media, or someone had asked him about it, or, or whatever it was. But I mean, if he wanted to go and buy into basically any team, I think basically any team would have taken him. There's no question that um, if a if a guy of, of of that stature and what he's done in his career and the the presence that he brings. Um, it was funny, Elijah Hughes, our young guy, was like, I can't believe like, he was one of my favourite players growing up, and now he's, like, quote-unquote, really, like, paying his bills to a certain extent. He's paying his salary for a part or part of his salary, however, whatever much uh, he, he bought in for, which is it's pretty crazy because, I mean, I even, to, like, when I first got in the league, I was playing against him. Like, we, we got to play against this guy, and... However long later you want to say, a couple of years later, he's, I think he re- retired two years ago now. Mm-hmm. This is his yeah. second year. Um, he's part owner of an, of an NBA team who just got sold for a very uh, big number. So um, I, I think it's awesome for our organization. I think it's awesome for, for, for Salt Lake City and Utah itself. Um, the the off court stuff with the, the social justice and the, everything that Ryan Smith is talked about wanting to do and, and all that. Dwayne Wade's a, a massive advocate for all of those things as well, so I think that brings a, a another um, a, another voice and, and all that from a, a very high level. But I, um, I mean, I, if you think about it, I don't think there's, like, you can't even, you couldn't even mention it, a negative about it. So, um, yeah, it was really cool to, 
to kind of see him and hang out with him for the, the couple of days he was here and um, obviously we'll be, be seeing him a lot more. I think he's based in LA now um, so we'll He's right around the corner, and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing him a lot more. So it's exciting for, for, for all of us. So does he come to practice? Does he hang out in the locker room on game nights? I mean, it's a very small sample size, and I get that. But how, how much were you interacting with him in the in the last week? Yeah, well, I think we, we saw him, um, or Ryan announced it to us the day or a few days, whatever, a few days before that, that it was happening, um, just so that... We didn't have to read about it from uh, your Twitter account with 35 followers. Um, then uh, he obviously came to that whichever game it was, the Indiana game, I think it was. Um, yeah. So he was obviously around the locker room a little bit, um, was in the, the post-game meeting. Um, so he was around. Guys were able to talk to him. He was he was very accessible to, to questions and, and all that. I... I do have some some questions for him at some point when we get a minute. So it'll be, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like regardless of who you are, where you are, I think he'll be as as accessible as he can in in terms of questions and media and, and doing all that. He, he's done it his his basically his whole life. So I don't think that'll change. So it's a, like I said, it's a it's a really cool um, thing for us all to to have and to be able to use in terms of, of what he's been through. He's, I mean, he's a, he's a champion. He's, he's won at the highest level. So it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's exciting times. And a lot of it was, though, from the jazz fan perspective, and that's who we talk to every day. It's like, oh, here's an African-American who's going to help us bring in African-Americans because Salt Lake is viewed as a place where they're not comfortable and they not would not want to be interested in. And I've always thought about, yeah, I've always questioned that because we've been here, we've been doing the show for almost 20 years, and we've a lot of former players have come back and they're African-Americans and say they loved it here. Carlos Boozer, who didn't leave on the best terms, says that he liked it here and it was a good place. So I always felt like that was overblown. Now that you've been here for a good long while and been a real important part of the community, and you're obviously you're a Caucasian guy, but what's your perspective as far as what you see as far as do they need somebody like Dwayne Wade to help them get black players in, or is this place already so, a place where they would want to be? Um, I mean, I was, it's funny because I, and I've said this before to you guys, I think, like, I I never even knew where Salt Lake was. Like, when right. I was on the plane going to the Clippers um, or from the Clippers to L.A. To, to Salt Lake, oh, I had to look up, like, how long my flight was, where I was flying. I, I just didn't, growing up in Australia, it wasn't a destination that I thought I would have. It's like the L.A. is New York, Chicago, the, the biggest cities, and... um since obviously since being here I think uh, and uh, I mean I think it's fairly what like originally when I got seven years ago when I got here it it was it was viewed difficult or hard or whatever the reasoning was to get an African-American player or a a black athlete whoever whatever you um, whatever you want to say but like it was it was more it was more difficult I think people I don't know especially early on like I don't know where that view came from I don't know how it started maybe it started back in the day like who knows um, that's probably a, a longer story to have but I think as our teams got better and 
players have come. We've been without a crew. We we obviously drafted some and drafted Donovan and, and guys like that. But Mike Conley didn't necessarily treat. We traded for him, but he he could have easily said he didn't want to come. Well, sounds like we just lost Joe right there, but I get where we were going with that. Doc will try to reconnect him there. Let me finish that thought. We were just about out of time with Joe anyway. And if, if Dwayne Wade can help break down, even if it's just a little bit of a barrier, see, it's I think, awesome. And I, see, I think that's where I think that's where it is. There's, and we've been over this on free agency. You know, everybody's situation is individual. To say, you know, guys, group X, you know, African American players who grew up in the U.S. And money matters. Playing times matter. Prior relationships with teammates or coaches matter, so you got to factor all that in. Joe, we lost you right there. You were just saying Mike Conley easily could not have come, and then it just dropped. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think uh, you guys need to upgrade your phone service over there. <laughs> um, but no, I, and I don't. I just don't think. I think you were kind of saying it then, maybe towards the end of that. But it, it just wasn't a destination. I don't think for for the. I I was having a conversation with someone one time here and. They'd said that they, I can't remember who the player was, but it was an African-American player, and he went to clinics and whatever, like junior jazz or whatever it was, out, out in, out in like a little while out, and it was kids and, and adults were saying that they were, this guy was the first black person they'd seen in person. They'd watched <laughs> a game before or, or TV or whatever, but it was the first, and he was like kind of caught back by it just because like, obviously it's, I think at some point for all of us, we've all <laughs> interacted in some way. So I think there was probably some, I don't even know if they're stereotypes or not, but some things about Salt Lake that, that people didn't want to come. And we've always said, like we've said as as our family, Renee and I, and, and guys now talk about it in our team, like once you get to Salt Lake, it's, I think it's very different to what you people sometimes perceive from from either not coming here or or just visiting, um, living here seven years now, like it's it's a it's a pretty cool place. It's a special place, but um, yeah, I mean if if Dwayne Wade sitting on the phone to to player whoever and and that helps us get someone, like I'll, I'll take it any day of the week. But yeah. um, I think with. With what Ryan's doing and building, I don't think, um, regardless of, of skin color, race, anything like that, uh, religion, whatever it is, I think uh, uh, I think Salt Lake's a, a place that, that guys would want to come to. Joe, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again after your next technical foul. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure. I'm not getting another one. Renee wasn't too happy with me this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Say, say hi to Renee and the kids for us. <laughs> I, I shall. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. There's the Joe Ingle Show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.